the rugby, the footy, the horses, the golf, the ga. Students, whatever you're a fan of, fuel your passion for sport with a little help from Vodafone X. Switch today and never miss a moment with Sky Sports Mobile TV and 20 gigs of 4G data for just 20 euro top-up, plus 100 minutes of calls and unlimited tax. Now that's more fuel for more fun. Search Vodafone X now. For full terms, conditions and limitations, including our fair usage policy, see Vodafone.ie. Blog Talk Radio. Alright Cardinal fans, you have joined the official Bird Podcast. This is episode 20, a round number number 20. We are so glad to have you joining us. If you're joining us live, you this as the podcast. Thank you for that as well. I am Michael Miles, co-editor at Redbird Rant. You can find us at redbirdrant.com. We are a fan-sided site for all things St. Louis Cardinals. I'm joined tonight by co-editor and one of our contributors, Nate Grime. Fellas, how are you? Pretty good. Doing well. I know it's kind of tough to do well on a night when the Cardinals lost, but hey, Cubs also all not so dreary. But I've got a cover tonight, and first up, let's talk a little bit about Paul DeYoung. Paul DeYoung was lucky enough to be the month of National League. Um, starting with you, Nate, talk to us about his card in 2017. Well, what Paul DeYoung has done this season has probably kept the Cardinals at least afloat in the National League Central. Um, four and a half games back of the Cubs since the Cubs lost today. Um, and, you know, it's it's really been remarkable because we expected Aladmus Diaz to be the team's shortstop heading into the season, expected him to be a fixture in the middle of the lineup, and now it seems like Paul DeYoung has not only taken that, that shortstop spot from Diaz for this season, but looking ahead to next season, you would think that that's the direction that the Cardinals would go at shortstop as well. And to see Paul DeYoung, you know, hitting in the three spot in the last two games, he did get the day, day off today since he was, you know, in the midst of a little bit of a rough rough stress. But the whole month of July um, was, was, you know, really rewarding for the Cardinals as far as what DeYoung was was able to do, and it was good to see him get recognized, you know, on you know across Major League Baseball and get that that Rookie of the Month nod. You don't think thing is meant to the 2017 St. Louis Cardinals? I mean, it's hard to understate what he has meant to the uh, St. Louis Cardinals this year. He certainly has impressed in his time with the St. Louis Cardinals. You know, I'm just looking at his numbers now, a 275 average, OBP of 300, slugging 544 for an OPS of 845. I mean, you can't really ask for much more than what DeJong has been able, DeJong has been able to give the St. Louis Cardinals. So definitely a well-deserved award for sure. One thing that I would stress, though, is, you know, the Cardinals saw some of him in uh, in spring training and knew that he had this kind of power and this ability to hit the ball for extra bases. So it's interesting, you know. They call him up, you know, you know, a little early or a little later on into the season, you know. And I was actually calling for him to be called up way early on when Johnny Peralta was still on the team. So regardless of that, it's great to see that he's able to contribute to the Cardinals in a positive manner and. I mean, let the good times roll. Let it let it keep coming. Yeah, and I agree with you. You know, I loved Young when he was coming up. And I he's really promise for the future. But let's talk a little bit about that and stay with you, Tito. I got questions to toss away. First, like you, 
you know, right now DeYoung is hitting in the three hole. Is he a viable solution in the three hole for the future? And you shortstop for the 2018 St. Louis Cardinals. You know, as as a three hole hitter, it, it's interesting um, to to kind of keep him there. He's got the build of a, a you know of a power hitter, so it, it, you know he's certainly shown the capability to do it. Um, however, I still think you know his bat still needs some fine tuning. And, and, you know, we've kind of seen recently over the last couple of games, you know, he, he's been kind of slumping a little bit. You know, I think he had, I think, four strikeouts, you know, the other night. And so um, it's interesting, you know, it's an interesting question for sure to, to see whether he can stick as the um, the three-hole hitter. You know, going forward, I, I would like to see him, you know, maybe keep getting some at-bats there just to see how how it will stick. But he really has the build of more of a five-hitter or even a two-hitter if Tommy Pham wasn't doing so well. Um, so I would probably end up there. And to you, what, is he going to be on the opening roster as the shortstop for the Cardinals? And is he going to stick in the hole? Well, as far as um, being the opening day shortstop, I do think that's probably the direction uh, that the Cardinals are heading as they, as at least, you know, the front office and management tries to at least piece together a picture for 2018 because doubtless they're, you know, whether the Cardinals are contending or not this season, you know, with two months to go, they, they do have 2018 in mind one way or another. I, um, I'd i have to agree with what Tito is saying kind of about the three-hole um, you know, the reason Paul DeYoung, we've seen him in that three spot, it's really because the Cardinals do not have a good option. We've discussed that on the podcast before, and that has become, you know, a glaring, you know, obvious need for the Cardinals pretty much all season to have a number, a true number three hitter to make that offense go, and that's why we've seen the shuffling of roles for the St. Louis Cardinals as far as the lineup is concerned. Um, you know, as long as he can keep hitting for extra bases and power, he probably will remain that best option but I really don't know how, you know, for how long that will stick. If you, you know, take a little bit of a deeper dive into his numbers, he does strike out quite a bit. He's got 67 strikeouts and just over 200 at-bats. Um, so that's a rate that you wouldn't want to see from the middle of the lineup. Um, that is one of the big reasons that Randall Gritchick is not, you know, is not able to stick in the middle of the Cardinals lineup. We've seen Gritchick, you know, try out, you know, as a cleanup hitter or, you know, anywhere from three to six, really. And strikeouts have been a big reason that Gritchick is, you know, more and more hitting either seventh or eighth when he's starting. And then DeYoung, his on-base percentage is just a 300, so he's not drawing many walks. So his saving grace right now is that power, um, 14 home runs. He has a, the best home run rate of any of any Cardinals hitter. Um, obviously, he's played in a lot less games since we didn't see him called up until, you know, mid-May. So the, the power is there, and as long as he can keep hitting for home runs, he will have a spot in this Cardinals lineup this season. But as far as um, moving forward is concerned, if he is that shortstop, um, you know, in the near future, in the foreseeable future, I would still expect the Cardinals to try to find a better option um, for number three in their lineup. Yeah, and, you know, better option. I mean, right now he is serving as the shortstop as the better option over a Diaz. Let's with you. I mean, what do you think this means for Diaz? Well, it's interesting because I'm not one who's going to say, you know, Aledmus Diaz is, you know, on his way out for the St. Louis Cardinals. Obviously, he's been in AAA ever since DeYoung has been the the starter at shortstop. I, I still think we'll probably see Diaz in September, at least as a September call-up. He hasn't exactly been lighting it up in AAA. But, you know, Diaz had a really, really good rookie year last season. There's no, you know, no questioning that. And that, you know, that stroke he has, that swing exit velocity he's got, you know, the, the tools for for a good major league hitter. And I think kind of just the sophomore slump is probably what caught up to him this season. Also, Diaz has had the trouble this year of, you know, striking out more and walking less, something that DeYoung has done. But DeYoung has, has the hit as the saving grace, whereas Diaz, you know, wasn't hitting for as many extra bases or as much power as he did last season. But if you look at the makeup of the Cardinals' 25-man roster as it stands right now, I think, you know, Diaz would have a spot in this roster if you can, if you reconsidered, you know, Greg Garcia's role on this team. Um, Garcia did get to start at shortstop just today and actually drove in the Cardinals' only run. But if you look at it, you know, in the, in the 
perspective of the four months this season, Greg Garcia really has not done that much, you know, to solidify himself as a valuable piece on the on the Cardinals roster moving forward. Um, you know, he's touted for his pinch hit abilities and the ability to give a good at bat in the pinch. But, you know, you just wonder how valuable that will be if you look ahead to next season, perhaps, and weighing, you know, whether Lednes Diaz or Greg Garcia deserves a reserve infield role if it comes down to having to choose between those two guys. And you, you pulled some of my strings there talking about my man Greg Garcia. So just want to warn you about that. Talk over to you, T. Do you think what name that is? And about how this call relate to Aledmus Diaz? I'm actually, you know, going to have to agree with Nate here when it comes to Greg Garcia and, and, and you know, his use on the team over Aledmus Diaz because I know, I'm sorry. But, but it's it's just the truth. I mean, Aledmus Diaz, if he can find his swing, if he can become, if he can still be the player that he was his rookie season, he's a much, much better candidate to be a backup uh, for for Paul DeYoung at, at shortstop or even Colton Wong at second base or even and Jer- 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 Jerko at third base. So it really comes down to one thing for me, though, and that's the offseason plans for the St. Louis Cardinals because Alenis Diaz can play second or third. It's obvious that he cannot play short, so I don't foresee him as a shortstop for the St. Louis Cardinals anymore. But he still can play second and third base uh, due to the limited range that those both have. So I am, you know, I'm kind of interested to see where this St. Louis Cardinals offseason goes because if they move one of Jed Jerko or Colton Wong, you would have to assume that uh, Aledmus Diaz is the, you know, kind of the heir to that position. Um, unless there's somebody else in the Cardinals system that, you know, is an infield that is just blowing it out of the water right now. We haven't heard of, uh, but I don't think that's the case. And so I think Aledmus Diaz, as long as he finds his bat again, he has a good arm and he's got a, a good glove. His range is just limited. So if he can become that rookie player again, yes, he has a spot on the team. And, that, and there's, not, there's no reason for the Cardinals to get rid of him. So I, I would like to see him, you know, get that confidence back. Um, but I'm afraid it's not as a starter at this point. And I think you've got some decent points, you guys. And listen, I, I even do agree with you about Greg Garcia. I, I like him as a player. He's great. And that's something that I really do like. But I kind of agree. I think he's exhausted his team of our listeners. And hopefully it's not being caught in the recording. But so you guys know, our are getting some pops in and out of the audio. So if you're having those problems, please stick with it. Hopefully it'll resolve itself. And we'll be Guys, before we leave the topic of Paul DeYoung, I've got really one more question that sort of leads, you know, Paul DeYoung being rookie of month. Sort of leads me to this thought line of, you know, even though the Cardinals aren't really competing, it looks for Austin. And that's quite honestly, because it could change. But are there any current players on the St. Louis Cardinals who you think deserve to vote for some of the major awards at the end of the year? I'm just going to toss it out there, and you guys... Yeah, I think it's really tough to see any Cardinals as front runners for any major awards. Obviously, when you talk about um, MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, it's always the way the voting works is a first or tenth place vote. So each of the voters gets to cast you know, a ballot for first, second, and all the way through 10th place. So, yes, there's a possibility that once you get down to, like, the 8th, ninth, 10th place guys, you might get a couple of, you know, Cardinals names in there. If there were one, you know, one Cardinal that I would think might get a, have an outside chance at a major award, it would be Jed Jerko getting the gold glove at third base. You know, he's second in the league in defensive runs saved over at third after Nolan Arenado. And I think, you know, slowly but surely a lot more people around the Cardinals and then around the league as well are noticing that Jed Jerko has been a a really solid and above-average defensive third baseman, which has been a pleasant surprise. And that's something that we really haven't even had the opportunity to see, you know, Jed Jerko with the Cardinals until this season when he's solidified that third base role for himself. Because if we remember last year, he was kind of bouncing all around the diamond because 
you know, his bat played. You know, they're they're always trying to find uh, a place for Jerko in the lineup, regardless of if he was playing third, shortstop, second base, or first base, whereas this season, you know, based off of his performance, he's been the mainstay at third base, and that, I think, has just helped him defensively. And, you know, I think a lot more people are taking notice of that. Um, we'll see how it goes down the stretch in the last two months. Obviously, he's cooled off offensively, and a lot of times the gold gloves are – somewhat linked to a player's offensive ability and their, their ability to stay at one position through the entire year. But, you know, there's no denying that Jed Jerko has been a really solid defensive third base in, in 2017. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, Nate. I mean, that's definitely something that I didn't think about. I was more uh, in tune with maybe that the young will probably get some rookie of the year votes, but there's no way that he's going to, uh, beat out, you know, beat out uh, Cody Bellinger of the, of the Los Angeles Dodgers. He has that wrapped up like there's no tomorrow. I, I would say if DeYoung had any chance of winning an award, it might be a silver slugger for the shortstop position. Um, it just depends on how he continues to hit. And if he is, you know, going to continue to uh, be our power source at this point, you know, I could foresee him potentially winning a silver slugger award. And, um, you know, there's there's not really much else. I mean, you would think, you know, we were hoping that Carlos Martinez would contend for a Cy Young, and he just hasn't been that guy. And I know, you know, we kind of toss it around a lot, but he just hasn't been the ace that the Cardinals need, and, you know, it's it's just a little frustrating. You know, he's been giving up, you know, consistent runs, and it, it's just it's just a little tough. Um, gold glove besides Jed Jerko, probably not. I'm hoping Yadier Molina is going to be uh, a candidate for a gold glove. So that's probably somewhere else that uh, he get, gets some votes. And you know what? As much as I, I, I can't believe I'm saying it, I, I'm not too sure about the other catchers, but he's probably in the running for a Silver Slugger Award too. Yeah, that's a really interesting point you bring up about Molina and the Silver Slugger. That's something I hadn't really thought about, but his offensive numbers are there as far as batting average and power is concerned. Mm-hmm. And those are the two main things that you look at, yeah, that you look at for a Silver Slugger. One other thing I would want to add is if there was like a comeback player type of award, you know, for the Major League Baseball, I think the Cardinals would have two deserving candidates, Lance Lynn and Tommy Pham. Because Lynn, obviously coming off injury, you know, if you look at the other major sports that have comeback player of the year awards, it's usually a guy coming off a season-long injury and, you know, putting up a, a solid year. And that's what Lance Lynn has done so far in the first four months. And then Tommy Pham, you know, it's been well-documented uh, in Memphis for the month of April. But then as soon as he was called up, he had his way into that lineup, and he hasn't and he hasn't been out of the lineup since. So Tommy Pham and Lance Lynn are two guys that I don't think will get, you know, major attention as far as, you know, if you were to look at MVP or Cy Young Award. But as far as, you know, exceeding expectations um, for the St. Louis Cardinals, those are two guys that would be deserving. And, and you know, Lance Lynn is, you know, Lance Lynn is, in, is a borderline Cy Young candidate. I'll, I'll be the first to say it. I think he's been very consistent. He's got a 320 ERA, which puts him in the top 10. You know, he's won games. He's pitched consistently. You know, the, the only thing that probably hurts him is that, he doesn't strike out a you know a bunch of players like Max Scherzer or you know uh, or Clayton Kershaw, but he's been consistent enough to probably gain some votes. And you're probably right; he does have a legitimate uh, shot at the Comeback Player of the Year award. But if I had to pick one right now, it'd probably be Greg Holland of the Colorado Rockies and what he's been able to do for their bullpen out there. I think. Wonderful question, uh, answer to those questions. And so uh, what a way to kick off. Let's take a quick break, and hopefully maybe after the break, everything will resolve itself. Um, so stick a quick We'll be right back after this break. You're listening to the official Redbird Rants podcast, episode number 20, Block Talk. Thanks for sticking with us. For listening to the official program, I'm Michael Miles. We're joined on this episode uh, by Tito Rivera and Grime, and let's dive right into it. Let's talk about the Instagram feud that took place between Yadier Molina and Mike Matheny. Let's start with you, Tito. I want to know if who 
was Molina targeting in his post? And was he right? Was he wrong in doing it? We blow this all up. Portland. Uh, start with you know. Yeah, sure. You know, this is this is pretty tough, and, and this is a really sticky situation that the Cardinals and Yadier Molina find themselves in because you never want to see anything like this. This is beneath the Cardinals, and I'll say it again: this is completely beneath the Cardinals. And there's got to be a way to figure this stuff out. That being said, is it being blown out of proportion? No, I don't. I don't think so. Um, it only will be blown out of proportion if this continues. You know. You know, in a, in a week or so. Uh, right now, I think there's a lot of frustration on, on a lot of sides of the Cardinals, um, especially from the fans. You know, I'm sure the players feel some kind of. I would I would guess some resentment maybe towards the Cardinals not making a move and trying to make this team better and seeing all the other teams in the Central, especially, you know, the Cubs and Brewers, making moves to make themselves better. And so maybe there's, there is some resentment built up. And you've got to also think, you know, as much as I, I don't like the players calling out the managers and the managers not and call it calling out the players, you know, Maybe there was a, a kind of misunderstanding with Mike Matheny and what he was trying to say, and maybe Molina misinterpreted it. But the point is this. These, are, these kinds of feuds are exactly what you keep off of social media. It doesn't matter who your player is. I don't care if it's Yachty or Molina. I, I wouldn't care if this was Albert Pujols, you know, back in the day. Uh, you don't keep these things – you don't keep this. You don't keep that on uh, social media. You have to. You have to. Uh, you kind of deal with it yourselves inside the organization, and that's how. It, that's how it goes. Uh, so, is there a right and a wrong person in this? Not really. But the point is, is that it needs to be resolved and it needs to be over with. Yeah, as far as resentment in the clubhouse is concerned, you know, I'm not. I'm not too sure that the players uh, would be upset you know, that a deal wasn't made because, if anything, they might consider it a small vote of confidence, you know, that that management in the front office, you know, thinks that this team can still do something, you know, despite the frustrations this season. Obviously, the front office was trying to make a move, and, you know, it just wasn't made. And, um, you know, the timing of this Molina-Mathini, uh, you know, feud, if you will, is probably not the best because there is, you know, has been a building frustration for a little while now. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, if it's being blown out of proportion, it's probably just the fans blowing it out of proportion. You know, I think the clubhouse, you know, I think Mike Matheny has the respect of the clubhouse as the manager and as the as the leader of the, of the team. And I think Yadier Molina also has the respect of the clubhouse, you know, as as the guy that's been there the longest, you know, as the you know, the best player on that on that field, you know. And obviously Molina wants to play. And the the first time you know, the first post that came into contention was the, the comments about Molina being tired. And I don't think Matheny is entirely wrong in that. I think anyone who watches the Cardinals and who has watched the Cardinals this season can acknowledge that at times Yadier Molina has looked banged up. And whether tired is the right word, whether injured is the right word, you know, whatever. But even today, Molina was banged up. You know, he, he got hit by a foul ball once. He, he got hit by a, by a backswing. You know, Molina is banged up, and it happens every single year and the Cardinals are in a situation now where they have Carson Kelly in the major league, the top catching prospect in all of baseball, stay sharp, you know, one way or another. And Yadier Molina and Mike Matheny should know this better than anybody because it was back in 2004 when Mike Matheny was the catcher for the Cardinals and Molina was up and coming, and he was, you know, siphoning off some playing time from Matheny. And I think Matheny and Molina, helped, you know, handled that situation very well. Matheny took Molina under his wing. You know, he wasn't. He wasn't selfish or, or jealous about the situation, and he did his best to help Yadier Molina, and Molina ended up surpassing him. Um, that is not to say that Carson Kelly will surpass Yadier Molina this season or even next season, but at the same time, Yadier Molina, as that leader in the clubhouse, yes, he's going to prepare to be on the field every single day, prepare to play 162 games, but at the same time, he needs to, and I think he does. You know, this probably hasn't been talked about as, enough as it should be, and I think he does still value that mentor role that he's going to need to take on with Carson Kelly now, you know, in that same dugout every single day. Yeah. And, and here's the thing for me, 
this whole thing about Molina's pride, you know, maybe hurting his development, I, I think it's a little, it's a little bit more complex than that. Do I think it's actually hurting Carson Kelly's development? No, because I, I, I think it actually strengthens Carson Kelly's development because it shows what it takes, as Yadier Molina himself put it, put it uh, he shows what it takes to take a championship mentality. I think that's more beneficial to Carson Kelly than, you know, his development. Now, where it does obviously hurt is the playing time, as you're mentioning. But at the same time, you know, again, people have to understand, and it's much like Dexter Fowler, they signed Molina to a contract extension. And if that's me, if I'm Molina, I'm I'm the catcher. And, and, and it's not that Carson Kelly isn't deserving – but if they're signing me to an extension, that means I'm the number one guy and I need to be ready to play every single day if I have to. Obviously, that's not going to happen, but that's the way I view it. And I think that's the way Molina views it, is that he's getting this extension. He's the one that needs to be going out there and serving as the leader of the team. And I think it's fair to say that he looks tired. And, you know, a lot of people are on him because he doesn't show, quote, unquote, the same kind of energy that he showed for Team Puerto Rico and the WBC. But come on, that that's not a, that's not fair. I don't think that's fair to Yadier Molina, and, and I don't think that's and I don't think that's at all true. Yes, that sometimes he does look slow, and, and you know you kind of wonder sometimes, you know, if he if he's kind of just going through the motions. But this is Yadier Molina we're talking about. He's the he's arguably the best catcher in the game. You know, we need to give him the benefit of the doubt. I would agree with that. I don't think you sh- we should be questioning, you know, Yadier Molina's effort. I mean, it's more than meets the eye. Even if what you see on the field looks like he's, you know, hurt or whatever, the preparation that goes into the game, you know, catching side sessions, you know, preparing for hitters, how to attack hitters, you know, before the game in the clubhouse, watching video, all of that Yadier Molina is still doing. And, you know, I can guarantee anybody that, you know, he's doing that at probably the highest level in Major League Baseball based on his experience his pride, his effort, everything that he puts into the St. Louis Cardinals. But, you know, one thing I did, I did still want to, you know, talk about regarding Carson Kelly is if the plan is still for Molina to play just as much as he played in the first four months when Eric Fryer was the backup, the question needs to be asked, then why is Carson Kelly even on this team? You know, if, you, if, if it's because Carson Kelly is a better backup than Eric Fryer, well, then my response would be, why does it even matter? Because Eric Fryer wasn't even playing that much to begin with. You know, he was getting two, three starts a month, if that. So would it really make a difference between Eric Pryor and Carson Kelly if they're getting the same amount of playing time, you know? And even then, Eric, the Cardinals were winning, you know, in the small amount of games where Eric Pryor was the catcher anyways. Um, the three-year contract extension does perhaps complicate things because, you know, eventually we're going to have to have this conversation about how much playing time Carson Kelly should get, assuming he's still on the team and not traded. Um, but, you know, I didn't think that needed to happen right away here in 2017. So just the fact that Kelly is on the team here in August and wasn't just a September call-up, um, you know, that tells me that, you know, the, there there were intentions to start getting Kelly, you know, some reps. And those were comments that were acknowledged, you know, that was a intention acknowledged by John Mosellac about a month ago when he said, you know, when Kelly gets up here, he's going to get some playing time. You know, presumably that meant more than what Eric Fryer was getting. So I think that's still something to watch moving forward. Yeah, I, I completely agree, and I, I think the, the easiest way to answer or kind of give you a rebuttal is is just by asking you, who would you rather have on the team, Carson Kelly or Eric Fryer? You know, I and I would rather have Carson Kelly, but the only reason I say that is because I know Carson Kelly's better than Eric Fryer. You know, so as I said, if Carson Kelly is only playing twice a month, as Eric Fryer was, then to me it doesn't even make a difference. I'd rather have right. Kelly because he's better than Fryer, and I'd rather have Kelly, you know, because he's better, and I'd rather like I'd like to see him play. You know, I'd like to see Carson right. Kelly play more because I know he's better. Yeah, and, and I agree. I mean, that that's the whole. You know, yeah, you're right on the you're right on the head with that. But I think at the same time, I, I think the reason why Carson Kelly is here outside of learning from Yadier Molina is also that he gives the Cardinals a better chance to win. You know, in game should he come up to pinch hit or anything like that. Now the Cardinals aren't, well, I should say Mike Matheny's not going to expend him, you know, super right. early on, but he gives the team a better chance to win 
on, while he's with the Cardinals than Eric Fryer would, and that's just the simple answer to it. Otherwise, you're right. Why would he be on the team if he's not going to get the playing time that Mosellock said that uh, he was going to get? Um, but that that's just the simple answer to it. So honestly, there's you know outside of that, you know there really isn't much else to say. But you know, tell Carson Kelly, hey, learn while you can. You have to learn because I, I'm telling you, I, I don't know if there I've ever seen another catcher that handles a pitching staff like Yadier Molina. And you can't learn that without observing, without being by his side, without really going through the preparation that he goes through. And I'm sure Molina does that on the side. And and I think a lot of people will take that for granted. Yeah, absolutely. Carson Kelly is a better pinch-setting option and a better, you know, in-game option than Eric Fryer. That's a good point. You know, the only last thing I would say to that is often with the way we've seen Mike Matheny's style of management, he is hesitant to use his backup catcher as a pinch hitter, even in a big spot in the seventh or eighth inning, because he wants to have that insurance should the game go to extra innings. You know, he doesn't want to burn that burn that catcher as a pinch-hitting option, because then you've got to have Molina in there for as long as the game goes. And then, of course, uh, injury susceptibility and all of that is a risk as well. But absolutely, Carson Kelly, you know, when he's starting, you know, gives a better chance to the St. Louis Cardinals, I think, than than Eric Fryer did. And coming off the bench, whether it's a defensive replacement or a pinch hitting option, you know, that that's a better that's a better place to go for Mike Cassini off the bench than Eric Fryer was. Yeah, and I wanted to jump in and say I think you guys really covered that extremely well. And I love really, Nathan, what you said about if if Matheny is not going to play Kelly more regularly, then it is a wash between Kelly and Eric Fryer. And that's a real disservice to Carson Kelly. And that's what you guys were saying. I think that's perfect. And that actually kind of leads us right into our next point, which is I'd, I'd like to hear you guys and your thoughts on what the new GM, Mike Gersh, had to say about you know, what his comments were after the deadline. And Red, I, I want to toss this out to you. He said that the Cardinals were busy at the deadline despite not making any deals. And then he promises an effort, but not necessarily, there were, not necessarily did we see any action at the deadline, but he promises effort into the offseason. Do you think we're going to see some moves in the offseason based on what he said? Let's start with you, uh, Nate, and what do you think? Well, I think um, looking ahead to the off season, I think the speculation and the conversations we're going to have in the month of November and December is going to be a lot of the same we had in July. You know, we're going to be talking about what's the plan for Lance Lynn. I, I think they've got to offer him a qualifying offer. I know you guys talked about it on the show Monday night. I think that's a no-brainer because if he accepts the offer, then the Cardinals can do the whole thing again with perhaps dealing Lynn at the deadline next year because he's on a one-year contract. If he doesn't accept the offer and signs another team, then the Cardinals can at least say, you know, we got a supplemental pick between the second and third rounds in the draft. We at least got something in return for Lance Lynn. So I think the qualifying offer has got to be the way to go for Lynn. But besides that, I think a lot of the same conversations are going to be had about how to improve this team because there was really no action at the deadline as far as improving the major league roster, they're going to, you're going to be hearing, um, you know, speculation about a Marlins outfielder probably, you know, the Marlins said they wouldn't deal an outfielder at the deadline, you know, just a few days ago that didn't happen, but that's not to say that they won't entertain offers come November or December in a couple of months. So I think the search for a three hitter will probably continue for the Cardinals. The Cardinals don't have that many free agents this year. So they're going to have more or less the same offense intact unless they decide to make some trades. Um, they do have that surplus of outfield talent, of pitching talent in the minor leagues. So that's probably what you're going to consider expendable as far as the trade is concerned. So looking for a, a better bat. And I think really throughout this entire season, um, something that has haunted the Cardinals all year, obviously, has been the relief pitching the bullpen. I wonder if, you know, Gersh and Mosellax try to kind of get ahead of that and not wait for the bullpen to materialize throughout the regular season like they have the last couple of years and try to really put together, you know, via signing other free agents or maybe making a trade or maybe having an in-house plan for what pitchers that are in the minor leagues right now they're going to plan on having on the major league roster next year in the bullpen. 
really try to put together a bullpen that looks like it's going to work and, you know, not have to just make adjustments on the fly throughout the season because that's something the Cardinals have actually kind of been used to doing in the previous years. You know, maybe they have one or two shutdown relievers, but as far as these seven or eight guys that are in the bullpen in April, that's almost never the same, you know, even a month from then. Obviously, all teams are going to go through, you know, some turnover in their bullpen from April to September or October, but for the Cardinals, it seems, especially this season, you know, roles, roster positions, you know, they've changed, you know, every couple of weeks. And that that's hurt the team as far as consistency in the bullpen goes. Yeah, and we've got some I really think... great pieces uh, at Redbird Rants covering a lot of the things that you were just talking about there, Nate. So just want to let our listeners know, jump over and you can check all that out, where if we talk about the fluctuation of roles and the impact that has had on the team. We talk about um, the lack of mobility at the trade deadline, some really great pieces. And Tito, I'm sorry for cutting you off. So I want to give it to you now. You know, what do you think the plan's going to be? Yeah, no, no problem. Um, I, I think there's just one really singular focal point that everybody should probably look to for the Cardinals this offseason. And and that just revolves around Lance Lynn. I think what the Cardinals do with him will certainly tell you exactly what their offseason plans are probably going to be. Now, I'm in the currently in the middle of kind of doing a, my you know my Lance Lynn part two piece on what options the Cardinals have. And and yeah, Nate's right. You know, the the least that the Cardinals could do is offer Lynn a qualifying offer. The most that they obviously will or can do is offer him an extension and sign him to probably a, a four-year deal uh, worth, you know, around $80, $90 million. Um, that being said, let's say that they go with, you know, re-signing Lynn, you would have to expect that some of these young pitchers that the Cardinals have are going to be on the move, and and that's what I'm expecting to happen. I think the Cardinals will, ex, you know, will re-sign Lance Lynn because he is a proven commodity, and you know, like I said earlier, he has been the best pitcher for the Cardinals, and so if he can continue to do that, he's probably going to get signed to an extension, and you're going to see some of those young arms move. And I hope Trevor's listening, but uh, Dakota Hudson is probably one of those one of those pitchers that's going to be moved. And as much as I hate to say it, that's probably where it's going to go. I mean, the Marlins were scouting Dakota Hudson's starts in Springfield, and I know some other scouts were uh, scouting him in uh, in AAA Memphis. So he seems to be a, a big piece to this puzzle of maybe the Cardinals finding that three-hitter that Nate and all of us have pretty much talked about on, on these podcasts. So I'm really looking forward to to seeing that. Now, what I do want to address about Mike Gersh is that this his comments are exactly what John Mozeliak has said this entire, you know, and almost the entire last two years that the Cardinals were busy at the deadline. Yeah, sure. Oh, but we promise effort, but you never know what's going to happen. Very tight-lipped very, very reserved on what they're going to do. They're not really telling their hand. So I guess Mike Gersh went to uh, the school of John Mozeliak and, and learned a thing or two, uh, but I'm not too impressed with his comments. I, I, would, I expected a little bit more from him, and I'm, I'm assuming we'll, we'll find out some more as the season progresses and obviously once the World Series is over and, and figure out where this direction is. You know, let me jump yeah. in and say I, I'm right there with you, Tito. I'm I'm very disappointed, actually, in his comments. Uh, it feels like, and I think I saw it on Twitter uh, just the other day after those comments came out, it, it's almost as if Big Daddy Mosaic is standing behind him and, and not allowing right. him to actually speak. I mean, he just towed the party line in the comments he made. Uh, it seemed very calculated, all of the comments, at least to me. And it just felt... Um, you know, I've written several times about Mosaic, who I like a lot, but the man is is very skilled at pol- politics speak, as I call it. You know, you, you never really know what's going on with him. And I, I got a real big sense of, of, of that from Gersh in these comments. Yeah, well, if I may, about, you know, about the, the comments made by Gersh and Mosaic and the similarity maybe and how they come across, 
well, it may be annoying from a fan's perspective because you really, you know, they say one thing and that doesn't seem to be the case on the outside or you never really know what they're actually trying to say because they're being vague. That might be annoying from a fan's perspective. But, you know, personally, I don't think that's really a bad business model. Obviously, you don't want to show your hand publicly too much. Um, the front office is, they were in talks with, with other with other teams as far as deals are concerned. And I think really where the frustration lies is not necessarily what they're saying to the media, but the frustration is that no deals were made. You know, if Mike Gersh and John Mosellack want to say, you know, we're going to be opportunistic in this off season, then we'll probably all be kind of annoyed because we've heard that for the last, you know, how many years. But if they then do make deals, I think that's what really matters. So if you look around the league at what other, other GMs, other presidents, other, you know, front offices are saying, they probably speak similarly, you know, to the Cardinals front office. Difference is that, you know, they're actually making deals like the Cubs are out there improving their major league roster at the deadline this year. So, I mean, Theo Epstein is, you know, is not a guy that's going to say, we're going to try to sign Jose Quintana. We're going to, you know, give away our top prospect. I don't really have much of a problem with what they're saying as much as what they're doing. And I think the frustration that we have with what they're saying is really just frustration rooted in the end result. Um, I think you'd probably agree with that. Obviously, it does get a little bit annoying when it seems like they're saying one thing, like, you know, we're going to be busy, we're going to put in the effort, and then it seems over and over again like it doesn't happen. But this offseason could be different. And I know that's, you know, maybe a pipe dream. Maybe we're holding that hope for that because it hasn't necessarily been there in the past. But the point Tito made about Lance Lynn, I think, is really, really well taken. What they do with Lance Lynn, I think, will be an indicator of what they plan to do the entire offseason. If they do resign Lynn, and make him a part of that rotation for four or five years into the future, then absolutely I think you're going to see, you know, some of those starting pitchers be dangled for a bat or something like that. If they don't resign Lynn, then some of those, start, you know, young starters, Luke Weaver, Alex Reyes, Dakota Hudson, other names, obviously, so they're going to be more of a plan, you know, in St. Louis and not as a commodity for another team. Right. And, Gosh, and you guys are, are so, so smart. I just I wanted to put that out there. You guys are like dead on. You're so smart, and I want to say to you, Nate, even though I talk about the politics speak, I, I'm not really begrudging that because I think that the man, I think Mosaic is is so much smarter than any of us um, in, in terms of the business of baseball. So I'm right there with you, uh, Tito. I want to hear your comments. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I was going to say this, and one thing to, to really key on, and I will on my piece, is that it, with the new CBA, you have to remember that players can only receive a qualifying offer once. And so even if the Cardinals give him a qualifying offer, Lance Lynn is most likely not going to take it at age 30. He could probably get away with going to another team should he choose to do so. Uh, and sign for a, you know a bigger contract than just a one-year $18 million deal. And, and that's, that's just the reality that the Cardinals find themselves in. So, again, that's why I say that's the least thing, you know, that's the least thing that they could do for Lance Lynn to really give an indicator. And once that happens, though, I really don't expect the Cardinals to sign Lynn. Um, I think Lynn is probably going to say, hey, thanks for the offer. No, thank you. Once that happens, the Cardinals are more than you know. The Cardinals will get their their uh, draft pick. They'll move on. They'll use their young guns to uh, to restock their rotation. Remember, Alex Reyes is coming back from Tommy John surgery, and he'll be ready to go, much like Lance Lynn last year. So you're not you know you're losing a good pitcher in Lynn, but you are also giving the opportunity to Alex Reyes to finally be a rotation piece where he belongs. Right, and, uh, again, and the point I brought up about – sorry, just quickly. The point I brought up about Lance Lynn, you know, being resigned or not resigned, hinging on, you know, whether or not the rest of the starting pitchers in the system will remain, I don't think it's necessarily mutually exclusive. Obviously, if the Cardinals don't resign Lynn, um, they're going to have to slot somebody else into the rotation. It doesn't seem that Alex Reyes will be ready by opening day to be a starting pitcher, so Luke Weaver is probably the most obvious choice. And then the Cardinals, you know, do have a little bit of depletion – at the minor league level, so maybe it becomes a little bit harder to, you know, trade for for a big bat. But I don't think they're necessarily mutually exclusive. The Cardinals could, you know, call up a couple of, you know, starting pitchers and plan on having them in St. Louis and then still have enough left over in the minor leagues that they still could be making some trades. Just the, the thing is that if you did re-sign Lance Lynn, 
then I think it'd be a little bit easier to make it to make a blockbuster trade with some of your minor league starting pitchers. Yeah, and I think you guys – what's interesting is that both of you could be right and both of you could be wrong, and we really won't know that until that last <laughs> game of the World Series finishes. I tell you what, let's Absolutely. take a break. I want to dangle this out there for our listeners so that you'll stay with us through the break. When we come back, I want us to think about the following names and whether or not they will be on the 40-man roster on opening day of the 2018 Cardinals. And those names are Zach Duke, Sungwon Oh, and i got to dangle this one out there because of our fellow co-writer, Josh McDonald. Do you think Randall Gritchick will be on the 2018 Cardinals? You are listening to the official Redbird Rants podcast, episode number 20 on Blog Talk Radio. Stay with us. Hey, thanks for staying with us. You are listening to the official Redbird Rants podcast. This is episode number 20. I'm joined by Tito and Nate. We are representatives from RedbirdRants.com talking all things St. Louis Cardinals. And before the break, I had dangled out the names of Zach Duke, Sung Wan Oh, and Josh McDonald's uh, sweetheart love, Randall Gritchick. And I want to know, Tito, you go first. Are, are those names going to be on the Cardinals roster in 2018? No, n- none of them. I'll, I'll just, I'm going to take a chance and say none of them. I, I'll start with uh, Sung Wan Oh. You know, while he was great last year, he has certainly regressed this year, and I, I just don't see a reason for the Cardinals to re-sign him. Um, they certainly have better options in their minor league system or even on the team right now than Sung Kwan Oh. Uh, my guess is he'll probably sign somewhere else or he'll go back to Korea, and, and that's okay. I mean, he, you know, he was serviceable last year. He just didn't have it. You know, I think part, part of that is due to the MLB schedule, and, you know, he probably is tired from last season moving into this season, but, uh, you know, that's how it goes. Um, as for Zach Duke, um, it's hard for me to see him staying on the team, um, especially when you have pieces like Tyler Lyons, Brett Cecil, and Kevin Segrist. Uh, it might come down to, to where, whether, you know, who pitches better between him and Kevin Segrist because I think Cecil is definitely going to be on the team because of his contract. Entire Lions will probably still be on there given uh, his ability to be a, uh, be a, uh, a starter in a, a tight spot. Um, and lastly, uh, for Josh, Randall Gritchick, I just, I just don't see him on the team, you know, past this year. I think he's going to be part of a package with a young pitcher should they resign him, and he'll be a package to go get a, a big bat. And I think that's where, where I'm going to stick it with. You know, what's interesting is that Zach Duke is a free agent in 2018, so I think that's an easy one to see go. Segrist is arbitration eligible, and Segrist is actually with the team until 2020 or under control for 2020. So just putting that out there. Hey, Nate, what, what do you think? Yeah, I think I don't think I don't expect the Cardinals to re-sign Zach Duke. They've already got four lefties, you know, including himself in the bullpen right now. Cecil, long-term contract, he's going to stay. Tyler Lyons has been good. Um, he can serve in a in a you know multitude of roles, as he alluded to. So I think he stays as well. Kevin Segrist, whether he's going to you know be good enough to be a third lefty on that major league roster, or whether we see him return to minor leagues, is going to be determined. But there's really not a place for Zach Duke. Um, as it stands right now, of course, things, you know, could change if injuries happen or the like. Um, Sungwon Oh, I would actually like to see the Cardinals re-sign him. I'm not sure that they do. Uh, the reason I would like to see uh, the Cardinals have O in 2018 is partly due to his struggles this year. I don't think the price tag for him in free agency is going to be as high as it would have been, obviously, um, if he were a free agent after 2016. So maybe the Cardinals don't have to get into a bidding war for O. And, you know, they're going to need somebody from that right-handed side because they've got Rosenthal who's been inconsistent. You know, Bowman's been pretty good this year and was good last year, but I'm not sure, you know, if he's going to be able to, you know, have longevity in the role that he's excelled in in the last couple of years. And then besides that, it's kind of just been a shuffling of right-handers. Uh, John Brebby has been a pleasant surprise this year. But I think always just bring a little bit of stability. He doesn't necessarily have to be the closer. 
um, since being removed from that closing role about a month ago, he's actually pitched pretty pretty well. So that's been good to see. Uh, Randall Gritchick, I you know I don't really have a gut feeling on Randall Gritchick. Um, obviously, his name's been in trade talks this season. Probably will be in trade talks in the off season. Um, you know, if I just had to go one way or another, I'd say probably expect him to be on the roster, but I wouldn't be heartbroken like Josh if he wasn't uh, because the Cardinals do have some other options. Um, you know, what what the Cardinals see Tommy Pham's role being next year, I think will um, impact Gritchick one way or another. Uh, and then, of course, you've got Harrison Bader and Magnir Sierra who are in the minor leagues right now. Um, so Scotty, you would think, is going to be, you know, in that opening day lineup just because of the contract. Uh you don't want to have that contract in, you know, in AAA. Maybe they try to shop him, but his struggles this year, you don't necessarily think that a lot of teams would be, you know, knocking down the Cardinals' door to trade for Piscotti. And then obviously Fowler's on a long-term contract as well. Um, injuries have slowed him down this year, but, um, it's, you know, you're not going to give up on Dexter Fowler after one year. So uh, Randall Gritchick, his time may be running short. Uh, obviously, as everyone has said before, the ceiling is high, but, you know, he's had a lot of chances so far in St. Louis, and, you know, it might just be time to turn the page this offseason. Don't you know, stop it, there. It, no it, it, <laughs> it, would, it would be only fair if we let the dream lover of Randall Gritchick, Josh McDonald, defend himself. And, fellas, he has called in Josh <laughs> Welcome to the show as a surprise rebuttal guest. Just want to let you know that both of the guys tonight said Randall Gritchick gone, not on the starting roster, not on any of the organizational roster for the St. Louis Cardinals in 2018. And listen, my friend, I'm joining them. He is out of here. I'm going to let you have the floor for just about a minute. Go ahead. Let us have it. All right. Let's be real here. Randall Gritchick is going to be on the team next year. You know who's not going to be on the team next year? Tommy Pham. The man's going to be 30. You know how old Grishik is? Not 30. The man has too much potential to let go for nothing. He's struggling right now. He's going to be back. He's going to hit bombs, and I'm going to laugh at Tito every day. Tommy Pham may be 30, but Harrison Bader's only 22. So. And, and not only that, not, not only that, but you see, are you seriously, are you seriously going to consider that the Cardinals would just give away Randall Gritchick for nothing? Well, I mean, what are they going to trade him for right now? It's not going to be a big price tag, so why not keep him and let him hit some bombs? You got to have love for the man. He's on the squad right now. He's he's not going anywhere. I would think he'd probably be part of a package deal, and that's probably what um, <laughs> speculation was at the at the deadline. I I mean I agree. I don't think Randall Gritchick pulls that much in a one-on-one swap. Uh, that's where the depth of the starting pitching in the minor leagues probably helps. Uh, Gritchick could be a piece that you throw in to kind of put that deal over the top and get a deal done. I love Sorry. it. I here. bank on it. <laughs> oh, I love it. Josh, thanks for calling in. It's always good to have you and, and Tito go at it and you and Nate go at it. I think it's just great. And I just wanted to say this before you go, before I mute you or you hang up on us. <laughs> I just want you to know that I gave you a shout-out in my big uh, Bash Matheny piece that went live tonight. So you should go look at it because I do speak pretty positively about Randall Gritchick, even though he can't manage to – make himself a baseball player. I sort of blame that on the coaching staff, but I put a shout out to you. Make sure you catch that. Thanks for joining us. And now you've lost all your points and I'm muting you. Okay, guys, we have just about six minutes left. I want us to go over. We're going to switch gears a little. We did receive some questions from some listeners, actually from one listener in particular, a good friend of mine, a good Memphian here. Everybody should follow him on Twitter. His handle is at Dearth of Reason. That's D-E-A-R-T-H-O-F-R-E-A-S-O-N. He's got a couple of questions here. I want to toss them out to both of you. I just want to toss them out there. I'm not going to call out a name because some of these are hilarious, and I want to just ask you these. So the first one is, what (laughs) What does that even mean? Um, I'm going to say... 
I'm going to say a vulture. <laughs> Picking on he he's he's lucky to have a good team to carry him through the good times. Now that he's got a mediocre team, it just shows his true colors. I love it. Um, I'll go a koala because I think that's the animal that sleeps the most during the day. By the way, yeah, my direct answer to him, yeah. <laughs> my direct answer to him when he asked what is Mike Matheny's spirit animal was six feet under. Um, here's the next one. <laughs> How much money would you pay out of your pocket to deliver a dump truck full of dung to Matheny's front door? <laughs> zero. Don't yeah, zero. I could I could think of a lot of better things to spite Mike Matheny <laughs> than that, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired I, lo- it is. I love those answers because actually my answer back was $5. And then I said, but wait a minute, I could probably do more with $5 that would have greater value to the world than that. So I'll save my $5. <laughs> All right, guys, here's the next question from Dearth of Reason. If you could give the Cardinal mascot any weapon to carry around and you must choose one, what would it be? If I could give the Cardinal's mascot a weapon to carry around? <laughs> yes. How about a bat? Because it could probably hit better than most of the guys in the lineup. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was I was going to say a lightsaber. <laughs> Nice. Nice. I was going to say a bear trap. Uh, oh, uh, oh, very very nice. Yeah, well, when you're always up against the Cubs, you may as well have a bear trap. Okay, we've got about three minutes left. Here we go. Here's some more from him that are very funny. Um, in easy-to-follow steps, how do I please a woman? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just do, do everything she Save says, right? Is that how it's done? Tito, you're married. You should answer this one. Yeah, no, that's why I say say you're sorry. <laughs> that's right. There you go. Say you're sorry. Just nod. My answer would have yeah. been just keep your mouth closed. Um, yeah. Say, say you're got, sorry and that, yes, honey, you're right. Oh, that's a good one. That is a good one. All right. Um, here we go. Two Two more left from him. The next one is most underrated food. Ooh. Most underrated. I would say, food. yeah. Do people hate on seafood? Because I really love seafood, but I don't know if that's underrated. It depends on the seafood. I think if you're talking most underrated seafood, definitely scallops. I like all seafood. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna say my the most underrated food for me is probably uh, the cheesy fiesta potato bowl from Taco Bell. Oh, interesting. I I had a hard time with this most underrated food. I, I you know, I want to say yogurt. I love yogurt, but that's kind of overrated because that's in the fad right now. So I I don't know, granola? Is that pistachios. <laughs> no. No, I can't get into pistachios. <laughs> okay, last one from Dearth of Reason. This one made me chuckle as well. Is ground turkey really a good substitute for ground beef? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, no, yeah. There's, not, there's nothing quite like the real thing. Just like yeah, turkey I'd bacon rather... is a substitute for real bacon. <laughs> yeah. I think I'd rather uh, eat tofu. Ooh. No, no way. Now you're, now, you're, now you're pushing it, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tofu's I not that bad. My answer back to that, you know, is ground turkey really a good substitute for ground beef? I mean, certainly not for the turkey. Yeah. So, I mean, there you have that. All right, guys, we're down to our last minute. What I'd like to do is give you about oh, 10 seconds, 10 seconds each. Give us your last pitch. What should keep us going as we go through the last bit of the season? Tito, go first. 10 seconds now. Schedule. Ah, perfect. One word answer. I love it. Nate, 10 seconds. Now. Lower the expectations. Don't be heartbreaking when the Cardinals lose. Those are those are great, you guys. This was a really wonderful show. Sorry for the technical difficulties at the beginning to our listeners. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you stop by redbirdrants.com. Check out all the, all the articles by these guys. 
and all of our other writers. Have a great night. Go Cardinals. <laughs>